Hello, and thank you for listening to Girl Wonder. My name is Joe Rochelle, and I'm just your everyday girl talking about your favorite webtoons. If you find yourself reading webtoons all the time and you are still craving more content, then you are absolutely in the right place. And just in case you didn't know, you can listen to this podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you choose to listen on. In today's podcast episode, we are discussing episodes 87 to 91 of Sub-Zero by June Purr, and I'm really excited to talk about these because this is the season one finale. We are at the season one finale of Sub-Zero. But before I get into it, I want to encourage you to support the creator, June Purr. You can do this by going to www.patreon.com slash which is spelled with three R's. The link to that is in the description box of this podcast episode. So since this was a season finale Thankfully, I don't have to talk about it all alone. In this episode, you'll hear the voices and opinions of four of my patrons, Beth, Christine, Catalina, and Gigi. I'm so excited that I get to include their thoughts on things like, is Aaron dead or is he alive? I'm getting ahead of myself, but the minute that I read that part... I wanted to know how other people felt. So we will be hearing how other people feel and what their theories are for next season as well. So if you would like to join my Patreon, the link to that is in the description box. It's patreon.com slash girlwonder. Join us. We would love to have you. Last but not least, the top cities that have listened to this podcast the most in the last seven days are Montreal, Perth, Fort Myers, Bel Air, Lincoln, Hicksville, Apex, and Seattle. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. All right, let's get into it. Here's a summary of Sub-Zero episode 87. It's storming at the palace, which puts Cairo a little on edge. He's dismissive to Grand Marshal Rizo. Meanwhile, underground, the prisoner Faye has been stabbed. Clove tries to help her. Clove tells her that she will not let her die. And suddenly, there are explosions in the prison. Everyone down there is in grave danger. So Juniper had been giving us a lot of hints that the Vipers were up to no good and there are traitors down there in the prison with Clove, with Norin, with Aaron. Everyone down there is not safe. We knew this, but still seeing Faye get stabbed was like, oof, I felt bad for her, which is funny because when she first betrayed Clove, I didn't want to have anything to do with her. I was so mad at Faye. It was like, get lost. I don't care about you anymore. But She's gone on such a journey in such a short amount of time that even though we suspected that she might get hurt because, yeah, the Vipers want to finish her off before she can spill all of their secrets and tell Clove everything she knows, it was still really sad to see her get stabbed and the look on her face. It was really, really sad. Kaylee Angel commented on this episode of the Webtoon and said, Cairo avoiding his work responsibilities to go into husband mode and find Clove is everything. Yeah, at the top of the episode, Cairo was very, very distracted and dismissive. Like he was being briefed on what's going on in the palace. And then Rizo comes up saying that he's going to send some people to the north and he needs approval and he needs Cairo to look things over. And Cairo is just not about that life right now. He is very concerned about where the princess consort is. And this rain isn't helping. I think it makes a lot of sense for someone who is a vessel for the crimson dragon to not feel comfortable in the rain. Like he is completely not at ease. Hey Ho You commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, poor Cairo already lost his dad and brother, is already worried about his dying mother, and now his wife and sister are in mortal danger. He already expressed how much he was scared of everyone he loves being threatened and taken away from him. Sounds like he needs to get bloody feral investigating his staff. Also, I'm so confused about Karis not being able to shift. The space needed to shift hasn't really ever come up before, and they didn't really seem like they were in a cramped space. So yes, I want to break that comment down a little bit. 
I, I hadn't thought about it that way in how much Cairo has lost. Yes, he has lost so much. His life has privileges, right? He has power. He has access to lots of money. He has influence. He has authority. He has the ability to shift because not even all vessels can't even shift, right? He has a lot going for him, but he's also lost and has sacrificed a lot. So it brings it all to a really just a grim place, I guess, when you think about how the woman he loves, because Cairo definitely loves Clove. I'm just claiming that at this point. The woman he loves right now is in so much danger. And so is his sister. And his mom is kind of at the brink of death because we know she's been ill for a while. We know from poison, she ha- her health has like been eroding for a long time. Thinking about it that way makes me so sad for Cairo. And no wonder he's so on edge in this episode and the next ones that follow because He can't afford to lose more. It's just so sad when you think about it that way. And another thing the commenter said was about Karis, because Karis is is noticing that the explosions are taking down this prison, right? The debris is going to start falling all around them and possibly crush them and kill them in these tunnels. It's supposed to be such a safe place where prisoners cannot escape. And now it's like the perfect place to attack clove and to make sure she's destroyed once and for all and if they're taking down Karis with her i'm sure the jade vipers would be happy about that too so as they're running Karis says something about not having the space that she needs to shift because it's really cramped and it kind of reminds me for those of you who have ever been familiar with the attack on titan series in season one there's a moment where they try to lure someone who they think might be a titan into an underground tunnel because they said If this person goes into the underground tunnel, they're probably not a titan. It's too cramped down here to shift. And so I'm thinking about that now because Karis is like, it's too tight down here to shift. Though we know in the next two episodes, like Karis gets the heck out of there. (laughs) She is like, it's time to go. Hang on to me. We're getting out of here. But that might have been a different section of the tunnel. I assume some areas are more cramped than others. And when push came to shove... Even if she thought it was dangerous to shift, she had to try. It was it was dangerous not to shift. It's too scary not to try something down there. So I understood that point. Kayvon B commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, Okay, so I officially think Rizo was not part of the plan based on the fact he sent his niece into the prison and the look of shock on his face at the explosion. I think he could still be a problem in the future, but he's probably not with the Jade Vipers. I had the same thought. When I saw the explosion happen and we see everyone on the outside of the prison wondering what was that? You see Rizo's face. He looks genuinely shocked. He looks so genuinely surprised that it's hard to believe he's putting on a show because his niece is down there. And as we see, he cares about her. So either he miscalculated and his niece somehow was not supposed to be there, though that doesn't quite make sense, or he's just not a part of this plan It just felt like this was not his doing. We've been suspecting for a while that Rizo has an agenda and it's not to help our princess consort. It's not to help Cairo, but this doesn't seem like his plan. This doesn't seem like it falls into his agenda because he does care about Reyna and he seems to be genuinely terrified that she's in danger now. One thing that I really like about this episode that I wanted to point out is how fierce Clove is. She saw Faye get stabbed. She went right up to the traitor who did it and even put her hand on his blade and let herself bleed a little. Like she was ready to attack him. He was shocked. I think it was like a speech bubble with just an exclamation point because she was running at him. She said, you bastard. And her eyes were glowing. She was such a fierce forced to reckon with in that moment and he was just stunned and that made him vulnerable to being stabbed by someone and then running away right so my takeaway from episode 87 is that clove is always going to fight for what she believes is right clove is always going to put herself on the front lines of justice if that makes sense because 
There are a lot of soldiers around who could have attacked that man, but Clove went for him right away. She didn't even want him to have a moment to get away. When she saw who attacked Faye, she attacked that person. And I think that shows great leadership potential. The world is in good hands with Clove in power. In episode 88 of Sub-Zero, Karis's ankle was injured in the explosion. What's worse is that the tunnel is collapsing in on itself. There are flames everywhere. Clove gets separated from Karis and Captain Norin. As debris continues to fall, Aaron comes just in time to save Clove. Clove refuses to leave Faye behind as they try to find their own way out. Karis shifts and escapes with Norin and a few others. She tells her brother on the other side what happened. Rizo is desperate to know if anyone else escaped. He's concerned about his niece Reyna. The episode ends with Cairo calling on his dragon for help. So can we talk about Captain Norin literally sweeping Karis right off of her feet? It was such a suave thing to do, but also the right thing to do because they needed to get out of there. Once they were separated by those flames, Aaron, Faye, Clove are on one side, Norin, Karis, and some other guards are on the other side. I thought that brought the tension even higher than it was before because they really have to get out of here. And so I love that when she's hurt, the captain is thinking, okay, I'm going to pick her up because someone else could have done that. <laughs> but I like that he did that because, you know, he has feelings for her. The captain says, don't stop. We have to hold on. And then Kara says, only if you learn to take your own advice, captain. And right then her eyes start glowing. She says, everyone, get ready to hold on tight now. And that is when she transforms. And it's one of my favorite shifts in this entire in this entire webtoon, yeah. I think this is my favorite shift because it was like clutch in that last moment where they really needed to break through and get out and Karis did it with a sore ankle. She still did it and I really admire her and I really love her. I think she's such a wonderful character. Emmy XX commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, he is so worried about her. I definitely don't think that Rizo is a Jade Viper. He is clearly worried about Reyna, so he would have made sure that she was out first. Whatever he is doing isn't good, but he isn't a Jade Viper. I think that's where I'm landing too, right? What do you guys think? I'm still leaning in the direction that Rizo is not putting on a show. This isn't a performance of concern. He's authentically concerned for his niece here. Is there anyone out there who thinks that maybe this is all a part of his master plan and maybe he's colder than we even think? It's possible, but right now I'm leaning with the, no, this is genuine. 2D Boyfriends commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, Clove is such a good person, it's not even funny. Like, she is trapped and could die, and her first thoughts are, let me save the wounded prisoner who tried to kill me. She is so amazing. Yeah. That's that's a queen right there. <laughs> that is queen material because I don't know if we all would do the same thing for Faye here. She's mortally wounded. This is a really, really bad wound. And the entire structure around them is collapsing. There's fire. There's debris. It's a desperate situation. And even having Aaron carry Faye out is going to slow them down significantly. So Clovis put Faye before her own self right? That makes me think of what she just did in the previous episode that I was talking about. She put her hand on that blade, the same blade that stabbed Faye. She put her hand on it. She was just so intense. She is a really, really good person. She's really selfless. I wonder if Cairo, when he hears the account of what's happened in the prison, I wonder if he'll be like, you did not have to sacrifice so much for this prisoner. And you did not have to be so kind to this prisoner because I think that's a difference in their leadership. He's not as trusting, which makes sense. And I do think that Clove's selflessness, which is a wonderful quality, could also still be a liability. It could still get her hurt again in the future. I think a part of her journey is learning to not be so naive and trusting all the time. 
People have to earn that trust. They do. And they have to show in a concrete, solid way that they're on your side because it's not safe. There are people poisoning empresses out here. (laughs) These are not safe streets for you to be walking on, Clove. So as much as I love this part of her, it's like two sides of a coin where she's going to fiercely protect and fiercely do things that other monarchs would never do. And at the same time, she's going to learn her lesson because sometimes people take advantage of that. Here's a comment from Moon Eris. This episode shows how strong the love Cairo has for Clove is, her loyalty by not leaving Faye behind despite her life being in danger, and Aaron being the shield of the woman he loves even if he cannot have her. And finally, the Grand Marshal showing the first sincere feelings ever. Author, we love you. And this comment really brings me to my takeaway from episode 88, which is that Everyone's true allegiances and true feelings seem to come out. From the start, we get the traitor, the viper in disguise, showing his true allegiance, right? Not only did he stab Faye, he set this whole place to collapse. He like exploded the entire prison without any regard for his own safety because that's where his true allegiance lies. It's with the jade vipers more than his own life. And then we see Clove, her true allegiance lies with her subjects. She is going to fight for them. She is going to put herself in harm's way for them. She's going to put them above herself. And I really like how the commenter mentioned Aaron's true allegiance, which is to protect Clove no matter what. I think that earned him a lot of points in my book. Even though he knows that Clove does not return his feelings, He's still going to do his job, his duty to her, and it's even more than that. I think because he will always love Clove, he's going to always put his life on the line for her, no matter what. I think she could treat him any way. She could treat him badly, and I think he would still jump in front of her to stop her from getting crushed by debris, like he did in this episode. But it's great that the commenter pointed out that even if he cannot have her, even if he knows that love isn't going to be returned in the same way, Aaron's still going to be there for Clove. That's a really nice sentiment. In episode 89 of Sub-Zero, we start with one of Faye's memories of her mother, Back in reality, Aaron, Faye, and Clove are racing through the burning tunnels of the prison. Clove tries to help every person that she can along the way, and they meet up with the general, Reyna. Outside the prison, Cairo is in dragon form, seemingly helpless, not able to find Clove or a way to break into the tunnels. But since she holds a fragment of Red's power, Cairo's trying to sense where she is. In the prison, everyone's completely trapped and running out of time. They all look to Clove, their leader and the Cerulean dragon to save them. For the first time ever, she admits that she can't. She is not who they think she is. Zutara was robbed, commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, When that soldier called Cairo a helpless dragon, my heart ached. He loves his blue wife so much. I think that's an image that I won't be able to get out of my head, which is Cairo not flailing helplessly, but like he could not figure this out. He was feeling so useless, though he has ultimate power. Do you know what I mean? There is no way he is often even associated with the adjective useless. It's literally the opposite of what he is and who he is. But in this moment, it's accurate. That's an accurate description of Cairo. So a really big moment that happened in this episode is Clove admitting that she cannot use her powers to shift. It's just not how it works. And that's how the episode ends, right? So Tiz ML commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, sis, you could have lied and just said that ever since the attack, you haven't been able to transform. And that comment got me thinking, wait a minute, did Clove do the right thing? Should she have lied and said something like that? Where, you know, since the attack, I haven't been able to transform because maybe people would understand. Or was it the right thing to do? Was it correct for her to say, I need to come clean. I need to be honest with these people. It's a life and death situation. 
and it felt like cutting the red wire or cutting the blue wire. Do you know what I mean? Where I don't know which one would be more explosive and I don't know which one would be more safe. So I had to ask my patrons, do you think Clove should have lied when everyone was expecting her to shift in those tunnels? And I'm so happy that I got a variety of different opinions on it. And let's start with Christine's reaction to this moment in episode 89. I was definitely shocked. I was like, oh my God, she's really letting this out in the open right now. But I'm scared that Reyna told Rizo that she can't shift. And I'm scared of what he's going to do with that information. And I'm also hoping that the soldiers that were there when Clove let this out in the open, I hope that they keep their mouths shut because we know that rumors tend to spread really quickly around the castle so hopefully they will keep their mouths shut and I think it was the right thing for Clove to tell them because it was a dire moment there wasn't time to like come up with a lie like they were under a time crunch they were under pressure I believe that Clove is a really truthful person she doesn't tend to lie much if at all if anything she just withholds the truth withholds information the truth needed to come out at that moment because they were depending on her to use her powers and what could she do but tell them that she can't use her powers like christine i am scared about what reyna is going to do with this information i'm genuinely terrified about that because She is not rooting for Clove. She is not in Clove's corner. She doesn't see things from Clove's perspective or point of view, right? She is naturally inclined to root against Clove, considering who her uncle is, considering how she feels about Cairo. There's just so many things that she doesn't like about Clove right off the bat when she thought she did have a lot of power, ultimate power even. So her finding out this piece of information doesn't bode well. But at the same time, I understand what Christine's saying about how Clove is an honest person. It is not going to come naturally in this moment to like come up with a great <laughs> lie where it's like, oh, this explains everything perfectly in this dire situation. Because when she went down into this prison, Clove had no idea there was going to be an attack on her life and on so many people's lives. She didn't know that there was going to be a large scale attack. And so she's winging it. And a part of doing that is relying on your instincts. And I think Clove's instincts are to be honest. And now to play devil's advocate with myself and to see things from a different point of view, here is Gigi's opinion on what Clove should have done in this moment. So the shift confession really, really surprised me. I honestly think that she should have lied because... This is going to turn a lot of her own guards against her, I think. The people of that group that witnessed that, that did see that, I think are going to be very questioning of her in the future. And I definitely think this is going to create more problems with Rizo. I mean, she was already keeping alive a prisoner he wanted dead. I 100% agree that this will cause more problems for Clove. 100%. Hands down, this is a problem causer. And so I'm wondering, if Clove were to lie, do we feel like the lie about not being able to transform since the last attack is a good one? In a way, it, it's it's like justifiable. I think everyone in the room would still go and cause problems, though. I don't think there's anything to solve the problem but shifting, which she cannot do. I think a lie would soften the amount of problems, but no matter what, Reyna would go tell her uncle she can't shift. (laughs) No matter what, because the only thing that would convince them that she can shift is her shifting. I'm trying to think of other lies Clove could have told. Because there are, I mean, there are possibilities here. She could have said that it's too cramped. (laughs) She could have gone with the Karis thing, but even Karis shifted her way right out of there, you know? But I wonder how everyone would have reacted if she said, if I transform right now, my dragon is very large, you have not seen it, but if I transform right now, it will kill me, and then we'll still be in the same predicament. It'll just suffocate you right now. I will fill up this entire tunnel. So, new plan. Anyone got one? Maybe, but I think it would still be suspicious. I don't know. I'm trying to help Clove out here. Trying to think on my feet, but look at me in the comfort of my own room in my bed, just podcasting, and I can't even think of a good lie in a second. 
and Clove is literally surrounded by raining, flaming debris. <laughs> and she, it, it's hard. It's difficult. But I do think a lie would have softened the amount of problems she's going to have to deal with. Because straight up telling people, I'm not who you think I am, is going to have disastrous results. Because it's not even just telling people, that's telling your enemies that I am weak. To give us another reaction to this moment, here is Beth. I think when Clove told everyone she could shift, that was the right choice to do, even though it was hard, because, you know, people were ganging up on her, and it was clear that if she didn't shift and didn't tell everyone, they would all think that she was a big old jerk and selfish and, you know, didn't have any leadership capabilities. But at least this way, they could see that she's actually trying to do the best that she can. And, you know, even though she said she couldn't shift, later they still see that she was able to kind of do this kind of ice sorcery. So they know that she's powerful. She just can't become a full dragon, at least yet. It's true. I hadn't thought about it that way, that if Clove maintained the fact that she can shift, but then didn't shift, it would come off as selfish, wouldn't it? It would make it look like she was a really big jerk. (laughs) I agree with Beth there because they would either think that she is extremely selfish and doesn't care about them at the end of the day, or they would just continue to suspect that she can't shift because this is the type of woman who is trying to save a wounded prisoner who attacked her previously or was responsible for her previous attack. And now she's saying she can't save us all while this is burning down. No matter what Clove does here, she's in a pickle. But I am also relieved that they will see that she has some power. So we will hear from Catalina right after this short musical interlude. But before we go to that, my takeaway from this episode is that ultimate power can still be rendered useless. I feel like that's the main thing I took away from this episode is that Clove should be ultimately powerful. She's in this tunnel telling them I'm actually not. Cairo has full control of the facilities of the Crimson Dragon. He can shift whenever he wants and yet he still is helpless. So I think this episode did a great job of showing us that even the most powerful can be weak. And how they wrestle with that weakness reveals their true character. So that's Clove telling the truth and Cairo asking for help. In episode 90 of Sub-Zero, Clove explains that she cannot control her dragon's power. Reyna slaps Clove, yelling that she has doomed them all. Faye finally dies from her injuries, saying that Clove reminds her of her mom. Cairo wills for Clove not to give up, and the episode ends with Clove's eyes glowing blue and ice shards forming all around her. Here is Catalina's response to Clove telling the truth and Reyna's reaction to it. I read the finale last night and oh my gosh, I just want to say I am so, so proud of our girl. I was so, so proud of her. I mean, I didn't really know what was going to happen when we first were trapped in the dungeon I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be really bad because she's not going to be able to do anything and the people are going to start to question why hasn't she just flown us out of here? Why hasn't she been able to transform into a dragon so that she could break through the rocks? Like, you know, they're going to be starting to question things and question her abilities and her loyalty and they might start to hate her and disrespect her and I was freaking out and then we get to the episode where it comes up. The general's like, uh, so (laughs) want to help us? And then Clove just without hesitation. I mean, she stares at her for a minute. She hesitates a little bit, but she just, she talks clearly and she says, I'm not who you think I am. And at first I was like, I don't know if that's the right way to say it because technically you are the vessel. But then she clarifies and she's like, I am the vessel of the Azur dragon. However, I cannot control the powers that I have the same way that Kyra can control his powers. So I cannot transform. 
and that was so beautifully said and I was so proud of her and we were had the great build up for it I mean everybody's stressed it's tense Cairo is trying to reach her from the other side and Clove can't access her powers and she's not close enough to hear Cairo and then the general slaps her and I was like oh but then honestly I could kind of understand where the general was coming from because they are trapped they are you know pretty much doomed at this point it seems like everyone's gonna die with all that in mind I kind of could understand the response I don't think it's good I don't endorse um violence but I understand why she slapped her because when you you know you're trapped and you turn to the last person you think can save you and you know that was your only hope you are hopeless and then you find hope and then that hope is also just just crushed because it's like well that's not how that works and so I can understand her being angry and I also don't feel that bad because um (laughs) because then she pretty much gets karma when she gets crushed by some debris so I was like oh well karma (laughs) And it was really interesting because um, the generals told her that she can't protect anyone, and then Clove does. So I thought it was really, really beautiful. Like Catalina, at first, I was shocked and worried that Clove was just admitting, I'm not who you think I am, and that was really going to throw people (laughs) into a spiral there. But then picking up in episode 90, she clarifies a lot more, and Clove did what she felt like she needed to do. I also feel the same way about Reyna, where that slap, of course, I'm not like, you should slap people when you're mad, (laughs) but this is a life and death situation, and she did just realize that they might die, and this person that we're supposed to place our trust in, who's supposed to be so almighty and so powerful, is not. That must be so unfathomable and scary, so it totally makes sense why Reyna did what she did, and there are a lot of reasons why but that felt like the pressing one. Fanfic Chan commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, hmm, was it just me or did it look like Reyna's jealousy meter spiked at the end where she was going on about how Clove was unworthy? But does Reyna believe a general who leaves people behind to die more worthy than Clove? I also thought that was an excellent point. I see Reyna's jealousy meter. Yes, it did just spike. Her official (laughs) jealousy meter did spike in this moment. Here's a quote of what Reyna said. She said, you should have stayed on that forgotten island of yours, buried away from the world, from Cairo. But I suppose the bored little princess just couldn't help playing the hero. You had to come here to protect our people. Well, dragon, look around and tell me what you see. You can't protect anyone. You've doomed us all. It's that part where she says, from Cairo. She says you should have stayed on that island away from the world, away from Cairo. (laughs) So yeah, those feelings are still there, Reyna, aren't they? And that jealousy did spike in this moment where she was like, the person he's with isn't even who we thought she was. I think in Reyna's brain, she's like, see, yeah, she's not so great. And so she's crafting this image of Clove and in one way she's trying to hurt her in this moment and I wish I could just pull Raina aside and say tearing Clove down will not build you up in your own eyes in Cairo's eyes in the eyes of the soldiers around you that's not how it works but that's a conversation for when they're not trying to escape burning tunnels Florence underscore Italy commented on this episode of the webtoon and said Sure, we know Clove can't die because she has plot armor, but the reality is that Clove just admitted that she can't do anything except blindly believe that they will get out. Clove is not facing reality. She thinks she can save everyone when she's never displayed the power to do so. She is literally prepared to sacrifice the lives of tens of soldiers for one fay, and that is not reassuring to any soldier. Reyna's reaction was fully justified, and she did the right thing by leading her men to another exit. I found this comment really interesting because it helps us see Reyna's point of view even further than we've already been going, because that must have been exactly what it was like to hear Clove say she doesn't have any power. For us, we have known all this time, but for them, this is fresh information in a dire situation. 
So yes, it's good that Clove said, no matter what, I believe there's a way out because that's a leader right there. You have to say stuff like that and you have to really believe it where there's a will, there's a way and you're going to find it no matter what, whether you have the power to shift or not. You believe that you're going to say you're going to save these people. But I understand how for Reina, that just sounds like a lot of hot air. So I get it. She certainly doesn't know Clove the way we know her. So one last thing I want to talk about in episode 90 is a sad thing. It's Faye passing away. I want to read a quote from Faye. She says to Clove, All along, you really were just an ordinary woman. You came back for me. That's more kindness than anyone has shown me in a long time. So like I said earlier in the podcast, Faye has gone through a transformation. She went from cackling villain almost to someone very sympathetic who I think a lot of us felt something for when she passed. I know Clove did and I also know that Beth did because she sent in a voice message all about it. Here's Beth. That scene when Faye was dying and Clove was holding her that was I I never tear up with a webtoon, but I was there. I was in it because like Clove has the whole thing with her mom that she knows how important it is and she misses her mom. So like she could really connect with Faye in that moment. And Clove was really the person that I guess Faye needed because they both have that past where they really admire and love their moms and they just miss them so terribly much. Yeah. That was really impactful. I agree. I was definitely impacted by Faye's death, especially the writing that June Per put into this episode, especially when Faye was saying that speech that I just quoted because uh, it got me in my heart. And we saw all this imagery of Faye imagining her mother. It's just so sad. And we do know, like Beth said, that it parallels Clove and her own mother. And we know those are important relationships for these two women. So it's rough. It's rough to see Faye not make it. And my takeaway from this episode has a lot to do with that speech of hers. My takeaway is that it's okay for Clove not to shift. We always, always, always want Clove to shift, right? Every time I see her eyes glow or anytime I see her use the ice shard, turning things into ice power, I get so genuinely excited and hopeful for her to be able to shift and to use her dragon the way others can use their dragons. But my takeaway is that it's okay to be the ruler that she is as an ordinary woman, because look at how she impacted Faye. Faye said, all along, you really were just an ordinary woman. You came back for me. That kindness, that doesn't have anything to do with being a dragon or not being a dragon. It has nothing to do with shifting or not shifting. It's just about character and humanity. And I think Clove showed how important it is to be human first and then let everything else come after. Episode 91, the season one finale of Sub-Zero, through Red, Clove can follow the sound of Cairo's voice, which is straight toward the flames. The general's soldiers and the general have been injured. Clove struggles to break through to where Cairo is on the other side. The Azure Dragon asks her why she struggles to save these selfish creatures. She asks the dragon to lend her strength. The dragons use their power to break through, but Aaron is badly injured in the blast. Cairo and Clove reunite, and the moment Reyna wakes up on the outside, she whispers something into her uncle's ear. The finale ends with Clove seeing Aaron laying there, still, in the ice. Oh my goodness, what a finale. Huynh <laughs> commented on this episode and said, in all caps, by the way. Stop. I was just playing when I said Aaron can go. I didn't mean go die. And then two crying emojis. <laughs> ah. 
I was overcome with emotion when I first read this and upon rereading it, I feel the same way. Still, still, still in my feelings about it. I asked my patrons, is Aaron alive or dead? What do you guys think? Is he gonna make it? Is this it for Aaron? Where, where are we at with that? Here's Christine. So I am an Aaron stan from the beginning. I really liked his character. Well, yes, I shipped Cairo and Clove. I really did like Aaron's character. And so when I saw at the end of the chapter that he was laying there, I was heartbroken. I was utterly heartbroken. And while I don't want him to be dead, I think he is dead because when you see in the panel when Clove starts using her dragon powers, Aaron gets knocked back and you see him kind of like hit his head and that's not a good thing. And also, why would Norrin say like, I'm sorry otherwise if he wasn't dead? But like I said, I really love Aaron, Aaron's character, so I'm hoping he's not dead, but I'm not going to hold my breath about it. So Christine's voice message made me realize something that I had totally, totally forgotten, which was once upon a time, back in the day, I was an Aaron stan too. I really, really was. So I first started reading Sub-Zero back when it was on Canvas slash Discover. It might have been Discover at the time. And I used to read it constantly. And I was an Aaron slash Clove shipper from the start of the comic all the way probably through what I read on Discover. And then when I started reading the original slash featured version of this comic, I became a huge Cairo and Clove shipper. But back in the day, <laughs> I was I was standing for Aaron. And so I will always feel something very special for this character who guards the woman he loves and puts himself out there for her time and time again and wants to protect her with all his heart. So Yes, I also felt heartbroken when I saw him get injured. I didn't want that either. Sometimes I want Aaron to give Clove and Cairo some much-needed space because you lost the good fight, my man. You know, you, you tried to even get her right before the wedding. You didn't get her. So sometimes I need him to, to go give himself a timeout. <laughs> but I also did feel heartbroken seeing him get injured. So Christine feels like he might be dead. It might be that he died. Here is what Beth thinks. I think it was kind of a big old teaser and that he's alive or at least like gravely injured. Um, I mean, I hope he's not dead. That would be really sad. But at the same time, then we wouldn't really have to worry about the weird, awkward, like ex-boyfriend thing, um, which is kind of a morbid way to look at it. But hey, I mean, whatever works, I guess. So Beth thinks that he is alive, and if he's not, if he is gone, then so is the love triangle. And all of this went through my mind as well. I went through a flurry of emotions, as I said. My brain went into a million different places, and it still is, as I'm trying to process what happened. Here is what Gigi thinks. I do not think he is dead. I think this is a fake out. I think Juniper is trying to scare us. But I do think if he is going to die, that he's going to show some sort of affection towards Clove in his dying moments. And I think it's going to really upset Cairo, like a kiss or a love confession or something like that. So Gigi thinks as well that Juniper is just trying to get us with a fake out here. And I feel like if that is the goal, then it has already succeeded because <laughs> did you see the comment section, how we were screaming in all caps about how we were just playing, Aaron, you don't actually have to go. Please don't actually go. <laughs> so it's working. Um, I think that's interesting that in season two, we'll find out either he's going to wake up or be in a coma or be dead. I think those are like the three options for the most part. And oof. I just, I feel for Clove, if he's gone, she's going to feel really bad because she will feel responsible. And I also think it's interesting how Gigi mentioned that 
Ooh, Cairo would feel some type of way if Aaron did have a few last breaths and was using them to express how he feels about Clove again, or even just, yeah, how he feels about her, even as a friend. Cairo would probably feel some type of way about that because how can you compete with that? The dying words of someone devoted to your wife. I think that would cause some drama. So I'm not sure what's going to happen with Aaron. I'm leaning towards him being alive with a concussion maybe but now I'm not sure haven't listened to everyone's voice messages I feel like it could really go either way I could really see him not waking up but not being dead I think it's going to be some kind of limbo but yeah we'll have to see iridescent commented on this episode of the webtoon and said I'm so curious what happened to red now does that mean he's gone right there was some Dragons working together, but the things that the Azure dragon said made it feel like Red was either going to be open to attack now or was going to be destroyed now. I was, it, it just felt like a lot was happening and Clove didn't necessarily know what she was signing up for when she was being lent some power. At least that's my interpretation of it. Nicole the Nako commented on this episode and said, I think... Clove released her own blue dragon from the ice she encased her in, and now the blue dragon is free to go chasing the red dragon around again, which could mean that piece of the red dragon will be hunted down and killed. I think that's possible, but if that piece is killed, then what happens to the red dragon? There are a lot of implications of that that will have to be answered in the next season. Speaking of implications and consequences, Sam Walbrown commented and said, I think Reyna whispered the word fraud to Rizo. Now that the scare is over, it's back to trying to yeet the dragons out. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, Reyna doesn't have any respect for whatever amount of power got her out of this tunnel, right? She didn't even have the decency to wait a little bit. Reyna was ready. She was ready to share everything, it feels like. we. It was blurred out what she said, but that, that makes sense to me. Her saying fraud. Rizo looked super surprised, and it just feels like he, he knows now everything about Clove, that big secret. It feels like now he knows. So speaking of season two, I asked my patrons, do you have any predictions, things you want to see more of in season two of Sub-Zero? Here is Christine, then Catalina, then Beth with how they felt about season one and or what they expect to see in season two. Like I said, I'm scared of how Rizzo is going to use that information about Clove not being able to shift. And I'm scared that he's going to use it against Clove and possibly Cairo too. And I'm hoping that Clove learns more about her powers. And I hope that Cairo and Clove have that talk about how Clove's powers are connected to Red. I'm hoping that Norn and Karis have more moments together because they're really cute. And I think that their relationship is blossoming now. And I also have a feeling that the Empress might pass away in the next season. I'm hoping that she doesn't, but I have a feeling. Clove really pulled through. And I think season two is going to be amazing. The way that Juniper set it up is so good because we don't know what's happening to Aaron. We have so many theories about the Vipers and the people in the palace and the general and everyone. It's just, there's so many things to theorize, especially Clove herself, like why her powers don't work and has she been poisoned or somehow the vessel's damaged. Like we don't, we don't really understand why she can't access her powers the way that Cairo can, but we know that it's going to come up and that it's super important. Um, and that she's also very unique because we also know that most other vessels haven't been able to like release the power that Clove has, um, as in the ice and stuff in centuries. So that's also really unique and really cool. I kind of hope for all the answers that they've been teasing, right? It's like, um, you know, clove shifting, maybe learning about her mom, learning about the poison, who's behind the poison. Um, I mean, and of course, you know, little Cairo clove tidbits um, for all of us shippers out there. 
And I guess I, if Aaron is alive, I low-key, like, ship him with Reyna. They've kind of been teasing that a little bit. I don't know. I have no idea if it would actually happen, but it would be kind of fun. And, of course, more of Karis or Karis with Norin. They're beautiful and so cute and you know, I love it whenever they're kind of together. And even when he picked her up and ran away, she was like, oh, what's this? So that was pretty fun. Yes, there were so many good moments in season one. I cannot wait for season two of Sub-Zero. If I would have to sum it up, I would say that my takeaway from season one is that not everyone is as they seem. We saw it with Faye. We saw it with Cairo. These characters are able to twist and turn and behave in completely unexpected ways and to have unexpected intentions. So we really need to be on our toes for season two. I can't wait. Each Tuesday, I like to share a Webtoon recommendation from one of our podcast listeners, and this week's recommendation comes from Kira on Instagram. And the Webtoon Kira is recommending is called The Four of Them. They said it has great characters, amazing diversity representation, and it's enjoyable. Yes, I love this webtoon. If you go far, far back into this podcast, like back when I used to talk about multiple episodes of different webtoons in one podcast sitting, you'll see that I used to talk about the four of them because that's one of my favorite webtoons. From the very start, it hooks you. I think from episode one, it's got family drama. It's got friend drama. Just like Kira said, it's a very diverse webtoon with a lot of great representation. And it's just a great romance with a lot of complications. So check out the four of them. It is an original webtoon and it's amazing. If you have a webtoon recommendation, don't hesitate to reach out to me on Instagram, Twitter, or through email and let me know which webtoon you're recommending and why. Wow, you made it to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to Girl Wonder. We currently have no sponsors, so here is a shout out to a random listener instead. This week's shout out goes to Ashley Lynn 415 on Instagram. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast, Ashley. New episodes of Girl Wonder are uploaded on Tuesdays. I'm Joe Rochelle, and we will talk again next week. Bye.